Welcome to the Emotional Balance Sheet Podcast, your guide to help you manage life, money, and multiples. Each episode, host Paul Fenner, Tama Capital's president and founder, and the proud parent of four amazing children, including one set of triplets, will provide insights on successfully sustaining an active lifestyle, career, and family through comprehensive wealth management strategies, financial education, and lifestyle planning specific to parents raising twins, triplets, and more. Learn more, subscribe to the show, or connect with Paul at TamaCapital.com. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of Tama may retain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. As parents, what does it mean to have harmony between your personal and financial life? A demanding career, demanding kids, a demanding spouse, As a mom of four, including a set of twins, Marissa Lonick checked all those boxes, except maybe the demanding husband piece. But she was also asking, what about me? Marissa, like most parents, was not in a position to just quit her job and start something new, especially considering that her career was part of her ambitious self. However, eventually she transitioned from her full-time corporate career into her own business. Throughout our conversation, Marissa shares great advice on developing reasonable objectives that work with your current lifestyle, finding an accountability partner, and recognizing and managing your inner work to achieve long-term success. Please enjoy my conversation with Marissa Lonick. Well, Marissa Lonick, welcome to the Emotional Balance Sheet Podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Paul. Excited to be here. Yeah, likewise. I've, As we were talking before we hit record, I've actually had several uh, conversations lately with, with moms, with uh, a lot of kids uh, like ourselves. So I know you have four and, and most of my audience knows by now I have four and, and a unique uh, set of ways with the triplets plus one. But you know, one of the things I was really excited about having this conversation and I'm I'm hoping that a few of my my family office clients, I'll put it that way, without naming names, will get a lot out of this conversation. Because in going through your website and your bio and looking back at how you got to where you are today, and I'll let you explain for the for the listeners, but you, know, you went from you know having you know multiple kids, corporate job, you know, demand demands of of caring for your family, but yet you were just you know, drowning for lack of a better term and trying to figure out like how to, and I I hate the word balance because I don't think there is such a thing, but to try to find harmony is is the use that the word that I typically use with, um, you know, managing everything. So I'm really excited to have you on to talk about your story and the work that you do now. So with that being said, where, where do we find you today? (laughs) Yeah. So my website is the best place to find me. It's mamaworkit.com, M-A-M-A. Or are you asking about my actual location? Well, we'll get to that too, but I was actually mentioning your your actual location, but we'll we'll, we'll get to <laughs> your website it. too. <laughs> okay. Yes. Well, so I am in the Bay Area of California, originally an East Coaster, a New Yorker, but moved out here seven years ago. I would imagine that would have been a big transition. <laughs> A huge transition and and a one that really sparked a lot of what I do today, to be honest. And how how so? Like what was the what were like the driving points behind that? 
Yeah. So when I, so seven plus years ago, I was living in New York. I was a, um, a mom of twin toddlers at the time working corporate job, you know, I think outside looking in looked like I had it pretty much together, but inside feeling, you know, that hot mass express kind of term we hear thrown around, <laughs> just really feeling unbalanced, overwhelmed. Like I was always playing catch up. Like I was putting myself last all the time and feeling resentful and all the icky feelings that come with that. And as an ambitious person as well, you know, wanting to grow in my career without sacrificing potentially time and and energy with my family as well. So I was in kind of a rough spot and I was offered a job promotion within the organization that I worked for, which was headquartered in California, even though I was working uh, in New York, New Jersey area. And I was super excited about the opportunity, yet I was also terrified because I thought to myself, well, I already feel like I don't have it together right now. And now I'd be taking on a longer commute, a new city, uh, you know, more responsibility at work. How could I ever make this work? And I contemplated a lot on whether or not I should take that job. And I mean, lots of, lots of overthinking, lots of conversations with my husband, you know, and, and initially I turned it down and I was plagued with regret. I mean, the entire weekend just felt terrible about the decision. My husband saw it all over my face and he was like, well, God, let's just try it. Let's just do it. I mean, what's the worst that could happen, right? So Monday morning, I'm calling my boss and I'm like, please reinstate this position. I really actually want it. Change my mind. Just kidding, you know? And luckily they were able to do that. And so Our family moved cross country, literally one coast to the other. And what I realized when I got here is that managing my time didn't necessarily get harder. It just got different. And the fact that I was feeling really fulfilled in what I was doing at work and kind of driving my ambition and being true to that part of myself, it allowed for me to be so much more efficient show up much more intentionally with my family and in my work too, and just balance things in a much better way. And so through that, I started, you know, and of course, I'm not going to say every day was great. I mean, the struggle is real. We all get that. But I was really able to see things from a different perspective, a new light. And that's when I started sort of blogging for the working parent world, working mom world and writing and then sharing stories and experiences and my business really was born from that, from there. So let me, let me go back. <laughs> How was that? What was that conversation like with your husband? <laughs> you know, my husband is such a supportive guy when it comes to things like that. And, you know, I think it, I think it takes balance in any relationship. Um, you have one person typically who's more of like the driver with certain things or not even the driver, but just like the one who has more of the um, the spearhead, right. And certain things. And you have one who's more like laid back and go with the flow. And that's us. Like I'm, I'm type a I'm, you know, that's who I am. I'm really like, just, I like to plan. I like to strategize and think about things like that. And my husband, he's more like, cool, that sounds good. You know? And he's not like, of course he has an opinion and things like that. But, you know, I think that that component within our relationship works really well. And so, I just love that about how I'll come with some crazy ideas sometimes. And trust me, I've had crazier ideas than moving cross cross country. I've started other businesses and 
he's, you know, supported me and helped me with those ideas and things like that. And it's just, yeah, it's just kind of how we vibe. So what was the, what was the spark, I guess, that made you start blogging to begin with? Cause it sounds like that's, that's really what started it all. So I guess one, what was the, again, the, the spark there, but then how did you do it from a time standpoint? Because you've, you've already mentioned that you had twins and I know now you have four kids. So yes. how, how did that work? Because that's, that's one question I get all the time, whether you're a father or a mother, you know, people have other ideas about what they want to do in life, but they, they, they don't necessarily know how to take that first step. And then if they do, they're really scared about taking it to begin with. Yeah. Well, I started that blog as a creative outlet. I did not have a business intention in mind. Uh, I really just wanted to share funny stories, hacks, ideas. And interestingly enough, I did it for two years, published it, but didn't tell anybody that it existed. <laughs> so I wrote it as though I was talking to thousands of people. And I, you know, I think probably like three people I told about it and they read it. So it really, to me, was sort of just processing things I was going through, you know, thinking about how this could be helpful when I was ready to actually shout from the social media rooftops that it existed. And um, anything that you, I believe, anything that you are passionate about that you really want to do, you will prioritize because it's not so much a matter of not having the time it's not having the clarity of what it is that you want to focus on. And a lot of people will throw that around. I don't have time. I myself have been guilty of that many times using that phrase, thinking that, believing that. And truth of the matter is we all get to choose what we prioritize every day. And that's not always an easy choice. I recognize that, you know, we have responsibility. We're adults. We have to provide an income and go to work and, you know, do the things we have to do. But when you really get down to the granular level of all that, it's a choice. We're making that choice. We're making that choice because we want to pay our mortgage. We're making that choice because we want to feed our family. We're making that choice because we love the career we're in, you know, fill in the blank, whatever it is. But when you think about it from that perspective, you you can make that choice. Like you can choose to not mindlessly scroll and do a passion project. You can choose to actually, when you're playing with your kids, be there, be fully present and not be multitasking email during that time. Like that is a choice you get to make. Yeah. I, that's one word I've tried to eliminate from my vocabulary probably about eight months ago was the, the term busy. Cause everybody would I always ask, well, how are you doing? I'm busy. I'm busy. And mm. I cannot agree with you more. And that's one of the, the, I think one of the big pivots I made with, with my, my firm Tama probably about three, four years ago is this relentless focus on working with families and getting them to understand first and foremost, we need to set what your purpose and then supporting objectives are within not only your financial plan, but your personal life as well. Because I think a lot of people think that their personal life and their financial life are two different worlds. And in reality, they are extremely connected and intertwined with each other. And what what people may I have this phrase that show me your this checkbook never lies. Show me your checkbook and I'll tell you what you prioritize, whether it's mm. time, what you buy, whatever it may be, that's that's what it's going to tell me. And so it's been an interesting journey just in the evolution of my firm and getting people accustomed to this where 
I think there's, there's this continued stereotype out there about what a financial advisor does. And to bring it back to like what you were pointing out as well, is it, no, it starts with defining your why, Simon Sinek, if you will, but you really, mm-hmm. your purpose. And then from there, your supporting objectives and then tying them back to, you know, a financial scorecard that I put, I've put together. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I love that. Absolutely. So one of the, one of the things I was, I was kind of gleaming from what you said too, uh, with your transition is with parents, I don't care if you're a mother or a father, I think there's this strong guilt that, that can come upon you. And I think that can be one of those things that gets in the way of really prioritizing not only what you want as a individual, but as a partner, as a spouse, as a parent, walk us through how you work with people on potentially like overcoming some of those guilt, you know, obviously here, guilty mom syndrome, you don't probably don't hear as much about guilty father syndrome, but um, walk us through like how you actually work with the moms that, that come to you for, for help in that case. Yeah. Guilt. It's really unfortunate (laughs) because it's there. It's like this uninvited guest that just shows up, stays too long, you know, makes too much noise when the baby's sleeping, like just all the things that you don't want, but is present often, even in the back of your mind, even if you try to suppress it. So working parent guilt is real. And ways that we combat that in my programs or in my coaching is we really get to some root causes there. Um, So I have something called the worthiness quiz that I developed that helps too, because it sort of makes us look within and and think about, well, is this an external guilt thing or is this actually me not feeling worthy enough in this moment to like put myself first or put fill in the blank, you know, what I want to prioritize here or am I, am I allowing all these things to kind of interfere with my boundaries and, and lead the way, so to speak. So I almost cringe sometimes when I introduce myself as a time management and productivity coach, because I think people assume I'm all about like spreadsheets and calendars and things like that. And sure, I've got hacks, I've got resources I share, but if you don't get down to some of the inner work when it comes to things like this, like managing your guilt, especially for parents, you will not be successful in being able to feel like you are managing your time effectively because you won't be able to sustain those behaviors long-term. Yeah. I've had Laura Vanderkam. I'm not sure if you're familiar with her work or not um, yes. on the show a couple of times. And she's she's actually got us outnumbered because I think Laura has like five kids at this point. She does. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, and like one of her points is like, she, I think she feels a stereotype, you know, at being known as a you know productivity time management expert is like, people think, well, you must have all, you know, everything together yourself. And like, no, like I struggled this with this, the same as with, with everybody else. Um, you know, when it, when it comes to this guilt, do you, well, obviously it's real, but do you see it as, um, a, a roadblock that, that gets in people's way of identifying what their priorities are, what their purpose are. And rather than, trying to say, I think I had to phrase this question. Like if, if I feel guilty, I can use it as a crutch to say, well, I'm not going to prioritize myself or, or things I want to do. 
a thousand percent. Yeah. And I've been guilty of this myself. I mean, I feel like the mom guilt, the parent guilt, like even when you have a good handle of it, it still shows up. So many times I've, you know, declined invitations uh, to fun things I would love to do, or, you know, really second guessed how I'd RSVP. I have one story I share in my first book, Time Management, where I got invited to this, it was called Mom's Day Away or something like that. And it was, I, I live in North, Northern California, not far from Napa Valley. It was a day in Napa Valley. I mean, who would say no to that, yeah, right? That's Incredible. hard to say no to, yeah. <laughs> but when I got this Evite, I was, again, corporate working mom at the time, you know, commuting several days per week. And Saturdays were typically my day where I was doing all the house stuff or like spending quality time with my family. And like, you know, I had a routine. And so I got this invite and I didn't RSVP right away because I was feeling tons of guilt. Like, I can't believe I would just eliminate all these responsibilities or spend an entire day away from my kids when I barely see them during the week. Or, you know, I had all these excuses creeping in and it took someone calling me out because I was past the date of when I needed to respond to be like, are you coming or not? And I said, yes. And it was like one of the best yeses I ever said, because it really put into perspective the fact that I'm not only doing this for me, like, cause I need a day away and it, it was super fun and great to connect with other moms in that way, but I'm setting a good example. Do I want my kids to grow up and feel like, well, my mom never put herself first. I guess that's what all adults do. No way. Like, I don't want to create a cycle, a generational cycle where this continues. So one of the, one of the things I was thinking about when you were saying that is, and, and I had this thought earlier today when thinking about somebody in particular that's really struggling with what to do in their career. And when you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else. And when you say no to something, you're saying yes to something else. And I think it kind of gets back to this, this idea of trying to figure out, prioritize, because when you, when you know what you want to do, I think it becomes much easier to then put together a plan to, to get there. Can you walk us through maybe some, you know, a few tips that, that you provide to the, the moms that you work with in your coaching on exactly like how to do that? Cause I, I still think people get stuck in the minutia. Of maybe they have an idea of what they want to do, but it, it's still really hard to take those first, that first step or two. Oh yes, it totally is. And especially as a parent, you know, the mental load is heavy. There's a lot it of is. stuff swirling around in there in the brain and, you know, you'll get an idea and then three seconds later, what was that? You know, there's just so much happening in there. So the first thing I tell people to do, because clarity is really a pre prerequisite when you're managing your time, you got to know, you got to be clear on how you want to spend your time, because if you're not, you're just going to end up wasting it away filling it with things that really aren't moving you any closer to where you want to be. So I tell them to do a simple brainstorm, a brain dump, whatever you want to call it, like get everything out of here and onto paper, onto a spreadsheet, onto whatever feels good for you, your notes app, you know, just get it out of your brain and just get it out. It doesn't have to be organized, anything, just hot mass list on a piece of paper, get it all out. And then how you approach that, because now this can feel overwhelming right? A lot of people will be like, great, I have a to-do list, but then they freeze. They get analysis paralysis because 
it's lengthy. It's like CVS receipt length, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I say, okay, don't get stuck That's, in this that, I'm, Now that I'm going to be stuck with that analogy, that picture in my head. Yes, so I just went to CVS know. this morning. You know, those receipts are a lot. Now oh, they yeah. can actually give you the option if you want one or not, right? So, <laughs> so, yeah, it's lengthy and there's so much on there and it's disorganized and, and people try to dive in or because they feel motivated in that moment, but then maybe the next day they're not as motivated and it feels overwhelming and they get stuck. And so my advice is, Focus on three small goals a day, three things, just three things you're going to hold yourself accountable for each and every day. If you feel like that day, you want to be an overachiever and do more great, but these are the three that you're going to be like laser focused on. These are the things you're going to fill when, you know, you've got five, 10 minutes here, there, and maybe, um, you would have normally opened up your phone and done something mindless. No, you know exactly what you need to get done. And so there's an accountability there. You do this by like highlighting or circling them. And then you allow yourself to also feel done at the end of the day. Because I know there have been many nights where you go to bed and you felt busy all day long. And then you feel like, but I didn't get what I wanted to get done, done. Well, this is a way to ensure you have that clarity, you have that focus, and you kind of give yourself a pat on the back and you're allowed to feel proud of yourself for the day. Yeah, I um I'm trying to work through this myself and rather than like once I can get those three things done t- today at the at the end of the day I'm still giving myself lashes because I didn't I feel like I didn't get enough done. Yeah. So, let me let's let's walk this back a little bit because one of the things I think um I wanted to come back to was this this career transition that you had. So, you you moved to California, you kept your you had a corporate role that you were successful in. Um, then you started the blog, but then how did, how did the rest of this, this business that you have developed? Because you have a podcast, um, you do one-on-one coaching, which I would like you to go, you know, dive a little bit more into what exactly that is. I know that you have an online course that you've developed as well. So walk us through, like, how did that all happen, Marissa? (laughs) Yeah. So, so we moved, I was working, started writing the blog, had a personal goal because I love to write. So I had a personal goal that I really wanted that blog to become a more tangible resource. And so wrote my first book. How did I write my first book while I was juggling, you know, corporate leadership positions, being a spouse, being a wife, adding to our family, all these things. I set consistent, reasonable goals. I mean, literally how I wrote that first book, besides the fact that I was working with a coach, I'm a big fan of coaches. I've had a a life or a business coach pretty much on standby since 2015 in my life. But I set I set a reasonable goal. I said, okay, I'll write for 30 minutes, three nights a week. And that's how I'm going to get this book done. So pretty much each and everything I've been able to accomplish has been by a little bit of discipline, but also grace and sort of like keeping it real, right? Because let's get real. Like when you have kids, when you're a parent, when you're juggling a career, when you're juggling other responsibilities, other hats that you wear, you can't just, even if you're so motivated one day, like you can't just go full force in, you have other things that you're doing. So it has to be something reasonable. That's going to work with your lifestyle, but 
keeping that consistent and ongoing is really key. And even the most self-motivated people out there, you know, they can really benefit from working with an accountability partner, which to me has always been a coach that I've been working with. And I've worked with several over the years. Yeah. I think, I think you hit, hit something on the head there as far as like motivation. It's, it's, it's not a finite uh, resource. It, it, it gets depleted pretty quick. And, and listening to you walk through that, I, I recall the the conversation that you had with Lori um, Oberbrockling on your podcast, um, who's going to be a guest on 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 my show as well, about walking through like how you guys both you know put your books together with you know managing full time job you know careers at home. Um, but yeah, I I completely agree with the the notion of motivation will eventually run out, and if you don't have a system or a process in place to carry you through the day you're not going to get very far. Yeah, a thousand percent. And, and, you know, just being in alignment, being in alignment is so important. So when I say that, I mean, like, is this working for you? So I've had to really check myself during several seasons, pretty much with any transition you go through. I think this is a really good self-check. So from that point on, you know, I, I, I was still working in the corporate world. Then we added a fourth baby to our family time for a reevaluation. Like, how's this working for me? Okay. It's working. Then the pandemic hits what's working here. What's not like, you really just need to sort of reevaluate. And my goals were always there. And sometimes they had to be shifted a little bit. Sometimes they had to be delayed a little bit. I mean, truth be told, starting that podcast was a 2020 goal. A lot of things shifted in 2020 for a lot of people. So that podcast came out in January, 2021, you know, fashionably late, but it still happened because it felt aligned for something I wanted to step into. And then, you know, there came a point in 2021 where the juggle had been working of the side hustle, main hustle life. And then it didn't feel like it anymore for me. And it was really just, my passion was really rooted in how my business was going and what I was building. And so super hard decision because a lot of my identity had been tied to that, you know, successful career, but I stepped fully into my business at that point. And, you know, then you transition again and you kind of self-check yourself. I think that's another reason why people, even though they have good intentions or are motivated to use that word again, to make a change, like say in their corporate career, they, their identity is still so wrapped up or tied into, you know, that current role, good or bad, you know, Mm -hmm. I know people that are miserable in their, in their careers that would want to make a change. But I think, I think that's another thing that's difficult is like that unknown. And I see it a lot when, when people show up at, at, at my office for the first time, you know, from a financial planning perspective is people people are so afraid of the unknown that that's all they they focus on and when you can kind of peel back and start opening opening the door to you know what's possible versus you know not knowing you know, the the relief comes off really really quick and and i think that's that's the struggle that that i see people go through um often is is the devil they know is better than the devil they don't know. That makes mm-hmm. sense. Totally makes sense. Yeah. I'm so glad you said that because I was just actually working with a, a coaching client of mine. And, 
most people tend to go down that path, you know, the what if path of all the things that could go wrong in the situation, but they give very little, if none, attention to the what if of the possibility. Yeah. What could go right? Yeah. So I challenged her and said, you can totally run through all those what if could go wrong scenarios. And then you have to give the equal amount of time and energy and focus on the other side of that. It's only fair. So we've had, I've had, you know, several different coaches and different kinds of coaches. And I think that's one of the things I think in your industry, from a coaching perspective, people may have this stereotype where they just broad brush everybody the same way. But what I've learned when it comes to coaching is everybody's different and everybody has their own um, uniqueness or strengths and in niche. Like I think you primarily work with, with moms. So walk us through what it's like working with you um, on a coaching basis, one-on-one, like for, for, I think, and I know a lot of the moms that listen to this podcast don't work with anybody, I think. And there's several that I know um, that could really benefit from working with somebody, but again, they, it's getting them over that hump and, and really letting people know like, like how coaching works. Yeah, absolutely. Well, working with me is awesome. I'll, <laughs> of lead, course. I'll lead with that. <laughs> um, so I'm a certified intuitive life and business coach. So I bring intuitive elements into my practice. What does that mean? It means we go, we go deep. Like we're going to focus on you getting really comfortable making those decisions coming from your own expert decision-making core of who you are, using your intuition, using that guidance, tapping into the subconscious here and there. And we're going to keep it real too, because I'm walking alongside you pretty much in the same shoes you're wearing, you know, juggling all the things, kind of lots of distractions around us, lots of, you know, responsibilities. So I think it's a good combination, especially with me of like the practicality and the hacks and the accountability and and things like that. And also the kind of the core understandings of just, you know, why are we doing that habit or making those decisions? Because the more we understand and like the self-awareness piece, I think it's the most undervalued thing out there. Like why are there not college courses being taught on this? Why is this not more of a thing? It's like the best kept secret. So yeah, I, I feel like lately in, in in the articles that I've been writing, I, it always starts with awareness. And that's, you, you talk about, you know, clarity is a prerequisite. I think that clarity comes from being self-aware. Now, that doesn't mean that that you're doing the right thing every time, but being aware of it is a big first step and probably, you know, a third, if not half the battle. Yeah. Absolutely. So when it comes to, to, to coaching, is it, is it a, like, like, like a lifelong engagement or, or is there, is it like a specific amount of time that you normally work with, with somebody or explain how that works? Cause I think I've gotten a lot of questions on that when it comes to specifically with coaching. I know every coach is different, but how does that work with you? Yeah. So sure. Can it be a life to lifetime <laughs> commitment? It sure can. Um, I wouldn't recommend going into it from that perspective, right? right? Like 
So I'd say for me personally, when I start working one-on-one with clients, it's either one of two ways. Um, If they're going through my time management program, this is a four-week program that has the option to work one-on-one with me as one of the, um, you know, kind of the, uh, the tiers of that program. And that's weekly for four weeks. What I often see when people do that is then they want to engage more long-term. So if you wanted to just start with coaching without that program, or you just wanted to continue on, we do six month increments. And during the six months, we meet twice a month um, for an hour on Zoom like this. And then uh, in between those meetings, we do accountability check-ins on a voice note app called Voxer. And then because I want to be available and I want to be a resource and things don't always come up during those meetings and during those accountability checks, my clients always have access to me on Voxer on that whenever things come up throughout the the lifetime of our, our engagement together. So I, yeah, that's how I structure my programs. And for clients who sort of like graduate from that phase and feel like they want to do more of a maintenance package, we'll meet monthly. But I always try and do like a six month increment because I think six months is like a fair amount of time to see some real significant change. Um, You could absolutely get results sooner than that, but you'd be surprised. Sometimes you walk into, you know, sign on to work with a coach and you're like, this is what I want to focus on. And then by session two or three, that's completely shifted. Yeah. Yeah. It's out the window. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And and the only advice I'd say really for anybody listening who's maybe not tried coaching or, you know, this is a new concept to them because it's still kind of new out there is get on a call before you commit to working with someone if they offer that opportunity. Yes. Like hopefully it's a free call. If it's not, you know, it's worth probably paying for before you sign on for a longer term commitment because you're going to get so much more out of that relationship if you really vibe with that person. Yeah, I agree. I think it's it's one of those things. And even like when people come to me um, as a financial advisor, you know, I ask, well, have you talked to anybody else? Even if they're from, you know, referred from an existing client, you know, it's still always good to, you know, talk to somebody else and just and, and just make sure that you have that fit. Because I know my style of of wealth planning is, you know, different than somebody else's out there. Like I really try to focus in on the I focus just as much on the emotional side of financial planning than I do the financial side of financial planning. And for some people, that's like, whoa, that's that's too much. Like I did not expect for you to like ask about, you know, how our, you know, the internal workings of our family. Well, why is that important? Like, why do you need to know that? Well, because if things aren't good at home, how are you expecting yourself to make good financial decisions? And vice versa. How are you expecting to make good career decisions? So, you know, again, it, it gets back to this this tie that I have that financial planning is just not financial planning. It involves every aspect of of your life, both both personally, professionally, from a parenting standpoint, um, as well. One of the and we may have kind of hit on this, but how do you go about, Marissa, creating I guess, and I'll use the word harmony again, between family, your career and business, and, um, and, and your your overall needs as an individual. Like how, 
how does all that come together for Marissa? Well, I'll never forget this question I got once uh, on a job interview years and years ago. It was a, a dad who was interviewing me, working dad, and he asked me, talk, talk to me about your work-life balance. And then he quickly corrected himself and he said, I mean, work-life pendulum. And I never forgot that because that's what it feels like, right? It feels like yeah. some days it's, you know, 80% family, 20% work. Other days it's 90% work, 10% family. And, you know, I don't know if you ever necessarily hit the 50-50 spot consistently. And I, think I would that's argue okay. you don't. <laughs> yeah, I think that's okay. I think it's okay. I think if you can look back on your week or your month, even sometimes a week is pretty rough, right? But your month and just think like, okay, I'm feeling good about where I'm at. You know, like overall, I feel balanced. The internal part of me feels like this is working. Kind of like what I mean with alignment too. You know, when you're misaligned, everything starts to feel hard. Work feels hard. Tasks at home feel hard. Conversations feel hard. I mean, like things that maybe you even enjoyed in a different season of your life are like really challenging to get through. So really having that internal alignment of feeling good where you are. And if if you don't have it, there's no shame. There's nothing wrong. Like you're okay. You can get past this. But what's it going to take to get you to a space of that? Is it a career change? Is it, you know, um, giving more attention to your self-care or your hobbies or your interests? Is it working on your relationship? I mean, fill in the blank. There's a million things that you could be lacking there that maybe you just need to have the clarity so that you can focus on those things. When when you're meeting with people one-on-one, like how, are there, and now that you've been doing this for a, a long time, are there are there things that you can do to get yourself back into alignment? Like are there certain, I, don't, I hate, I hate to use the word hacks, but like, are there like, you know, one or two concrete things that somebody can take away from this conversation and think, okay, I can go and do this or that, that will help maybe get my mind rearranged and pointed in the right direction again? Yeah. So firstly, identify what those areas are, if you can. If you can't, then create some white space where you can give yourself you know, 5, 10, 15, 30 minutes to just let your mind be free to have those things come to you of what those need to be. So identifying what those areas are and then giving yourself really reasonable expectations of how to achieve them. So let's say it's something like, I, I feel resentful. I never have time for myself. I'm always doing for others, you know, and, and maybe that's where you're feeling kind of misaligned. Okay, well, what is something nice that you can do for yourself today that takes five minutes or $5 or whatever it is. Rinse and repeat. Let's put that on your calendar. Every single day, you're going to have this 15 minute block. You know, you're not going to get booked with a meeting. You're going to get up from your desk. You're going to go do something that fills your cup in that moment and do that consistently. I mean, these don't need to be like huge things. These can be really small habits that you implement into your life. I think, I think that's probably a, a, a fitting way to get to my closing question that I, that I ask all of my guests, okay. which is what is the best thing about being a parent? Ooh. Stumped. Such a good question. 
the best thing about being a parent. All right, I'll come. I'll tell you what's came to me this morning before I even knew I was going to get this question is it's, it's like an oxymoron, right? So it's exhausting and yet exciting, like all in the same millisecond. I mean, it's just, it's like everything encompassed into one and it's just the most rewarding role I've ever had. One of the, one of the things that Teresa has has told me over the years, as she tells, tells new parents is welcome to the hardest job you'll ever love. (laughs) And I, I think that's, that's pretty apropos. So, um, well, Marissa, again, how, what's the best way for, for people to find out about your work, your podcast, um, and blog? Yes. Best way is my website, mamaworkit.com, M-A-M-A. And Tons of free resources on there. We send a weekly newsletter. Um, I should say I send a weekly newsletter. (laughs) (laughs) I write it. And yeah, it's just a great place to connect, to get some good information, you know, relatable stories, um, hear from our incredible guests and all that good stuff. Well, terrific. We will make sure that we put a link to that in our show notes. Um, Marissa, it's been such a pleasure to have this conversation with you. And I, I know a lot of the working moms and dads will will take a lot out of this uh, conversation. Thank you. It was so great to be here. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Emotional Balance Sheet Podcast. Please visit TamaCapital.com to subscribe to this podcast or to connect with certified financial planner and registered investment advisor, Paul Fenner of Tama Capital. And please join us again next time on the Emotional Balance Sheet Podcast. Mm-hmm.